Hi, this is Nameless Ghoul from Ghost. You're listening to The Ratio Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Ratio Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Ray, and as always, we are recording in beautiful downtown Athens, Georgia. So happy October, everybody, and happy Halloween. We couldn't have a more appropriate guest on the show tonight. We have Mr. Dusty Gannon from the Mighty Vision Video, and uh, Dusty's going to tell us all about Vision Video, his journey. And uh, we're also going to discuss their new video, In My Skin, which was recorded at the 40-watt, and it's, it's just amazing. So uh, make sure you, you check that out if you haven't already, which I can't imagine you haven't. Um, but we'll have Dusty here in, in just a few. Super cool guy, good friend, and uh, so happy to have him finally on the podcast. And for any new listeners we have tuning in, uh, welcome. Uh, we basically... Here the Ratio Podcast, focus on outsider art, you know, whether that be in music with, with metal, punk, post-punk, goth, and, um, you know, we, we, we try and focus on all the things that we're about here, and uh, we welcome you to our little family, and um, check out some of our back episodes, and um, we're going to have a lot more coming for you throughout the end of the year and leading into next year including uh, at least one more live ratio show at Cine Athens in the lab that will be announced in November. Uh, we are at a new ratio location headquarters. Uh, we, we had a big move, so I'm sorry we have not been uh, with you that much this month, but that will all change in November and leading into uh, 2024. So as always, follow us on the uh, socials at Ratio Podcast on Instagram. We're on Facebook um, and uh, various other places. So look for us. And uh, before further ado, without further ado, let's get to our talk with Dusty Gannon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ratio Podcast. Uh, We are recording here in beautiful downtown Athens, Georgia. At Cine, we're in Theater 2, The Haunted One, and it couldn't be more appropriate because today on the show, we've got founder, singer, 
and guitarist, the Vision Video, Mr. Dusty Gannon. How you doing, sir? Hey, man, I'm doing really well. How are you? Right on. Perfect, man. Thanks so much for doing this. Yeah. And I guess this is appropriate. Do you feel any vibes? Oh, yeah. This, this I, room think, yet? I think, you know, whenever you enter a space like this that's like normally occupied by conceivably large numbers of people, it's always like really interesting when you're in it when there is nobody there because it. I think it inherently feels a little kind of offset and that's why i think horror movies that happen in theaters are really scary because it's like oh it's this familiar space that's suddenly been sort of subverted uh so it's very i feel like it's very appropriate that we're here right tonight. right just to break right into horror yeah what's your, what's your favorite what's your favorite horror movie set in a theater oh man that's definitely we were talking about it earlier uh demons demons uh, lumberto bava you know and Hell it's yeah. like it's it's just such a bizarre kind of dumb movie, but I love it, and it's just fun. But it's also like intense, and like it's got this sort of surreality, this like dreamlike quality to it that I love on a headier level with that movie. But it's also just like the dumbest, most like fun action kind of horror that you can get as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, everybody, we we have the Fangoria. <laughs> cover star today this the, here on the podcast this month um and we'll talk about that in a little bit oh, I mean, of course just, yeah you know um but uh welcome the goth dad himself <laughs> and uh i want to start you know with the sense of melody that you possess it it first took me by surprise when i heard in my side and it's you know you it's such a melodic beautiful song what is your first memory of creating something like musical uh you know I, I guess I was one of those people that had kind of a little bit of a knack in an inherent sense um, from a young age because my first memories of playing any instrument or like doing anything with sound or music was when I was about five or six years old. My aunt and uncle live up in uh, New Hampshire in this really, really old farmhouse and I would like just mess around with this very, very old piano that they had in the house and I would like host like a recital and I'd be like all the family and friends coming like you have like give me a dollar and I'll play you the show <laughs> so and but I apparently was able to actually make some form of melody that wasn't like just totally intolerable for like a five-year-old playing a piano that doesn't know what they're doing um so anyway that's probably my first memory ever of like touching any sort of instrument and making sound um but you know I've I've kind of been in and out of music through probably every stage of my life up until now. Right, right. Well, did you come from a musical family? Um, My dad played trumpet in high school, but he didn't kind of continue with it. He kind of knew a little bit. Uh, but I think my f my parents were both very musically inclined insofar as they were fans of music. So we always had music playing. Like, oh, man. You know, and this is uh, – so to give, like, a little bit of context, too, my mom is, like – you know, German from like marrying an American soldier, moving to the States. Uh, so she's like really into like weird European new wave. And my dad was into like the classic rock stuff and like, you know, heavier rock stuff. Um, so there was a very eclectic sense of music in my youth because of my parents. And um, they were always like asking my sister and I what we thought of like oh this song or this song so it kind of helped us develop that sense of taste from a very early age as well 
Do you do you have any records from that time period that you still listen to? That oh they yeah, had in the house. Yeah. What, what are some of those? Like uh, a couple of Phil Collins. Yes. Uh, like I would say, just kind of Phil Collins generally uh, throughout various stages of his music career. But like um, Peter Gabriel, Peter Gabriel was huge. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so came out at one point uh, right before I think I was born. And it was like it's like 86. Yeah, that was exactly. I was born September of 86. So like that was huge. And they went and saw him in Berlin. Oh, and wow. like so that, you know, and I'm like there was a time when I was a little younger where I was like, oh, this is cool. And I enjoy this. But I when I was an adult, I kind of rediscovered it. And I was like, this is fucking incredible music. Like this isn't just good. This is phenomenal music. This is like really top tier stuff so i i don't know i just look back at all that and i and i'm just like so grateful that they were that musically inclined and not you know in a technical way yeah because i feel like it's also because you know if your parents are like hardcore musicians you know maybe they're like they're like hey learn this instrument learn this learn this my parents never did that they let me kind of figure out music on my own terms and uh yeah it was just it was way more enjoyable in that way oh yeah that sounds like a, a cool way to come up you know and it's, you know our household was a big phil household as oh. well <laughs> and a big uh peter gabriel um but you, you know you are a success story here from athens and a perfect example of the magic of this town so now did you grow up here your entire youth M more or less so like my very first few years on this planet were in rapid succession. So I was born in Berlin and uh, we moved in, I think two years later. So this is like I was born in 86, moved to California or uh, Virginia and then California and then lived until in California. We were uh, there until I was like five. But then after that, we came to the Athens area. So I've been here kind of on again, off again for like the last like 20 some odd years of my life so it's been quite a while <laughs> so so what was it like being a teenager here in town were you sneaking into shows and stuff? yes and that's the wildest shit because like so when i was like 17 i dropped out of high school i went to oglethorpe county high i was like you know it's 20 minutes from here you drive into athens you can get a job drop out of high school like i wasn't learning anything out there because it's rural high school uh, but I moved to Athens, but I was too young to get into anything. And I was 17. I lived in the east side. And my roommate was, he was 19. So he could. And I was always like, damn it, I want to go to this thing that he's going to. Because especially back then, there were a lot of 18 up shows. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I would go to Go Bar and I would sneak in. They're going to get pissed. If they hear this, they're going to be like, oh, you fucker, next time I see them. <laughs> But Tom and Mark, they would sometimes not be paying attention, and I would go along the hedgerows, and I would sneak in. And, I, you know, I was going there to see more often than not Dan Geller with uh, Trade Center yeah. and, like, DJ Twin Powers and all that because I wanted to listen to him spin records, and I wanted to listen to to uh, World Trade Center. So we would – and then every now and then I would get kicked out, <laughs> but sometimes I'd get in. And that was – yeah, that was, like, my first uh, – yeah, and those nights, you know, I I snuck into the forty watt when we. I think they just fucking let us in. Uh, yeah, when I was like fifteen. <laughs> but this is at the old location, and that night is still imprinted on my brain. Right, you know, and I, I think a lot of magic comes out of that. Um, oh, for sure. 
But, uh, you know, your background's like a novel in and of itself. And, I mean, for those who don't know you, you served in the Army, mm-hmm. which I'm sure we could talk about. We could fill three hours on that. <laughs> Probably. Um, but could you tell us a little bit about your experience there? Yeah, for sure, man. Um, so, in brevity, I mean, I guess, like, so I, I enlisted in the Georgia Army National Guard, Um in 2007 and I was enlisted in that from 2007 to 2011 graduated from Georgia commissioned as an officer stayed in the infantry but went active duty and did that for four years uh went to Germany deployed with a rifle platoon to Afghanistan and got out in 2016 when I was kind of done with it um you know there's a lot of it that was good uh, a lot of like really amazing people that I met, a lot of really good experiences, but also just like the heavy realization of like what the military is used for, um, how it's used and how it's kept away from the rest of society. Like people don't see it here. They don't see warfare, but they also don't see like how the military w- really works. Um, so they take advantage of that and they m- sort of misuse the military for these like it's i mean it's just explicitly colonialism and its empire um but you know i just kind of saw the big picture for what it was and i was like all right i need to get out of this because i'm not interested in you know participating in something like this ever again and you're, you're caught over there and you you know i'm sure i'm assuming you realize this pretty soon off when you got over there yeah how how do you face that in your head for me, so like literally the like there was a very long period of time in the lead up for our deployment where I was like losing my mind because I, I went through this really dramatic kind of, I guess, paradigmatic sh- mental shift in my consciousness, not to sound like a like new agey douchebag, but like when I was studying religion in college and I'm not even a, like I'm pretty agnostic atheist, but, you know, there's a lot of my understanding of the world shifted because of a lot of like Taoism and uh, uh, Zen Buddhism, just reading about it and just realizing it was like, I'm fighting somebody else's conflict that I don't even really agree with. And so I had a really hard time leading up to that deployment where I was just like, I can't rationalize this and I can't justify this in my mind. But then there was a day that where the one thing that really kept me going through this whole thing is like the the fact that I realized that a I'm not a kid anymore and b I have 30 kids that are looking to me as a leader now in the army to make reasonable rational decisions to get them home safely and to keep them in my self interest uh, rather than like things bigger than them uh, and I realized that that was a bigger calling than any other misgiving of it. And I was going to do my best job to be moral, go over there, do what we needed to do in Afghanistan, but get those kids home. And I got to do that, and that was really fucking cool. So, like, you know, there's there's always good in the bad, and you got to find that sometimes. But, um, yeah, that was the only thing that got me through the experience was those 30 guys and that responsibility, and that was cool. Well, do you still utilize some of the skills that you that you learned over there? Oh, yeah. I mean, all the time, you know, I mean, I think on a base level, like just being out in public, I'm very situationally aware of like any room that I walk into or like any situation I go into. Um, And I think that's like a unfortunate circumstance of living in America right now is like you've got to be 
aware of what's going on around here, but uh, also my work ethic is like, I feel like I'm just, whenever I get really invested in things, I, I'm dedicated to like focusing on that, um, you know, and it, and it just drives me in a way that pushes me past like conceivable limitations um, that you self-impose. And it's like, I don't know, it just makes me feel like I have to um, work harder and and fulfill a part of my former life, I guess. I don't know. Right. Well, so you get out of the Army, and I'm not in any way trying to trivialize that mm-hmm. transition, but you do come back to Athens. What brings you back here specifically? So, yeah, I left the Army in 2016, and I was like, uh, well, what's the next step? And I And for a while I thought I can, you know, go be a therapist or a social worker for veterans because – like, I know what it's like to have to talk to somebody when you come back from a conflict. And, you know, these are like people that have never been to war or whatever. And uh, so I applied to the grad school here for social work. And I got put on a wait list, which was fine. That's like a normal thing. Uh, and I um, I came back to Athens, was bartending full time. And that's when I, like, joined the fire department and all that. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, uh, th- I think the big thing that brought me back was kind of going back to school, but also the reason why I chose Athens because I could have gone to school anywhere was just like I wanted to play music, and I was like, that's the place where I know that it's really easy to find like-minded people, the proper facilities for it, the r- the right like community around a music scene for it, and that's what really interested me in coming back here specifically uh, to do. Well, at the time, I didn't know it was going to be vision video, but you know, moving right. forward. You know, well, was, you you know, you start making music on your own, and you're writing songs, and then, you know, you get connected with Emily, Dan, and Jason. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a staggering amount of talent. You know, how did it come about getting those cats together? It's cool. It was a very, like, Athens way. So, because we have this sort of nucleus of the service industry here. So, like, everybody that's in this kind of rock and roll world or music world in general, I'll say, is just, like, I mean, 90% likely to be (laughs) either a a current or former bartender. Um, So, you know, I was bartending at the the Georgia Theater, and Jason was a barback. And I had been, like, posting clips of me, like, just playing little riffs on, like, Facebook or something. And Jason was like... Hey, I really like those those songs, and we talked a lot about music because he's a huge fan of the replacements, and I love the replacements. So we bonded over that, and he was like, "Hey, come over to my house. Like, I know you like my punk band, which is She He He, and because um, I would go, I love She He. Oh, they're one of my favorite bands. Amazing, of all time. amazing performance. So he's like, you should come over to the house. I've got a rehearsal space. I'll put some drums to those guitar, and it and it was just us two at first, and then Dan called jason i didn't even know dan personally i just knew him from sneaking into shows yeah, yeah. and i was like uh you know uh, jason called me up one day and he goes hey uh dan geller wants to play bass for us and i was like oh shit really oh cool like we get to hang out that's that's pretty fun right on. so he came in and immediately kind of joined in and then we played a f- one show on the rooftop of the georgia theater as a three-piece and emily was at that show and so she saw the show, and then I knew her through another mutual friend, again, service industry. <laughs> and 
she's classically trained as in piano, like right. from the age of seven on. Uh, but she never played a synthesizer before, so we yeah, put that in front of her, and she like, she just killed it. Had never played one, mm-hmm. and just took to it immediately. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. It was you awesome. So. She has such good energy. She's you know, and then you know you got Fusco, who's one of the mm-hmm. greatest guys of the world. Dan's a god. You know, it's, <laughs> it's you guys all all seem to work out really really great. Yeah, and the name Vision Video. I know you've answered some of these questions. <laughs> no, it's good. Uh, I love this. A zillion one. times. This is, this is one of, of the best ones. But for for some of our listeners, those not from Athens, can you tell us a little bit about the name and what it means to you? Yeah. So, growing up basically in this area, uh, you had two options. Well, we'll call it three options for for movie watching experience. You had the movie theater, you had Blockbuster, and you had Vision Video. And Vision Video was a you know, video rental store from I think the mid eighties up until 2016 or 17. Mm-hmm. And, um, they, so, you know, they made it through this like crazy streaming age way into it. And it was because it was so loved. Um, it was usually college student run locally owned. They had a couple locations throughout downtown and, and through Athens area. And, um, you know, it was just one of those places where I grew up in a formative time learning about like horror through that experience. The five for five, five movies, five nights for five dollars. So I would go in there and I, there was like on the east side, there was this um, at some point in the ages, <laughs> there was like this punk rock girl that was working there and she they have a huge employee pick section. And she was great because she was in all the like cult horror and she was real cute and I was like real <laughs> enamored with her. But I'd go in there every like, you know, week and I'd bring my movies back and be like, hey. And she'd be like, oh, yeah, you watched this. Like, you should watch this next. Like, oh, you watched Evil Dead this week. You should definitely watch Dead Alive next week because, you know, you'll see some influence or whatever. And I was like, OK, cool. Um I miss that time so yeah. much now. You're like <laughs> making me like whistle. So, <laughs> but that's like that's why we picked it. Uh, we went through like three months of, or not, I guess it was two months of like name dropping every single day in a group chat. It was like 10, 20 names a day, and we were always like, "No, nah, it's not right. It's not right." Oh, it's torturous. And then one day, Jason jokingly was like, "Oh, we should be called like Vision Video," and we kind of laughed. And then we were like, "Well, actually, that's really fucking good." Because it's something we love that had just kind of died. And I felt like that kind of tied into our messaging a little bit and our ambiance. But it's also like an homage to Athens. And Athens is an homage to itself through its its music, through, you know, between the African-American music influence, uh, like early on in the 20th century up to the 70s with, you know, dance punk and college radio rock. B-52s, R.E.M. I mean, all this incredible stuff happened here. Um, so, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's, it's like the name to me is an homage itself to not just Vision Video, but like this broader thing that we love, which is Athens. And it's a really cool place. Right on, man. I couldn't have said it better, man. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, you've never been afraid to tackle like a challenging vocal. And like when I was talking about your sense of melody on that first album, and I remember, you know, the first time I heard this, like, just talking to everybody, like, have you heard him sing? You know, and I'm talking about, you know, off the first album, mm-hmm. Inked in Red, and then Static Drum. Yeah. Um, you know, a di- and, you know, somebody might look at that. I find that a challenging vocal 
to like maintain but you know this all leads me to your first record you know what are what are some of your memories of putting together that first record it was cool you know because for me that was like a novel experience entirely you know i'd never been in a band that you know took it seriously enough to make it past you know first couple interactions of of live performance or whatever um so for me it was like oh this is how this really works and this is like the serious world behind music that i've never had access to but i'm really starting to learn about um and that was you know recording that record was with tom ashton of the march violets and his uh sub von studio uh just at the very outskirt of athens here and um you know he he's he's a master and he's like a uh, uh just somebody that's able to translate exactly what you want so well um and that was that was it was just like this amazing experience um laying down songs that we've been playing for about a year uh and 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 they kind of change a little bit in the studio but in like better ways than you can conceive and it's just it's just a really beautiful process and and it made me fall in love with this whole world and be like ah i gotta keep pushing on this thing because this is really cool so you do you like the studio i do um i'd say the pre-studio part like writing i don't enjoy that much because it's like it's really painful for me to go back into memory and to like write lyrics uh, but it's also just like i'm i'm a bit of a nut when it comes to like if the song doesn't make me want to move and dance or at least emote or feel like in a physical kind of way then it's probably not good enough so there's a lot of me like writing stuff and cutting them and just being like, ah, I don't, that's not, that's not acceptable for me to put out here to, to an audience that really cares about what I'm trying to say. Um, so, uh, but once you get into the studio and it's all cold down and you know what you're recording, it's such a joyful, like beautiful, um, it feels like energy is just concentrated. Oh yeah. You know, everybody's so focused and everybody's like, in a good mood and it, but it can also get like tiring and, and a little exhausting, but it's always fun. Like the undercurrent is always fun. And that's a really rare thing to find in the world. Yeah. You're always creating something. I mean, it's gotta be, so that's the first band. This is the first band you were in a studio with. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> you know, the album's released and, and they were talking about first kind of a little bit tonight, but, and, and you start touring and start spreading the word. Now, how many tours have you done now? Um, so, I mean, just looking back at the last year alone, so I've been away from, I left the fire department last summer in June. So since then we've had... Good month to leave it. Five major tours. Yeah. yeah. So a lot, you know. And I, I mean, I'd say probably in the time since 2021, yeah, I mean, it must be like eight major tours. Well, well, much like the recording process, you know, what are some of your first memories of being out on the road and bringing this this music to people and playing all these cool venues and yeah. just getting into it? Yeah, um, it's it's awesome because you know we didn't go through a lot of time where there was like literally nobody there. There were a couple shows where it was like real sparse, but we we always had like decent crowds coming out because we built this audience online mm -hmm. of music during the lockdowns when we would have been touring so that was like a nice thing um uh but it was always almost a little more fun in some ways when you'd have like two or three people in a show because you just like 
it's such a different experience. Just go crazy. For yeah. Them. Yeah. And you just, and you play the same exact show. Uh, but I kind of, I miss a lot of that. Like the early like days of touring where it was like not nearly as comfortable and it was a lot like harder, but it was a lot of fun in the novelty of it. Well, do you have a personal memory of a show that when you really said, man, the momentum's picking up? Yeah. Um, we played last year. So this was 2022 at a place called, it was a night called Das Bunker in a place called Catch One, which is a big club uh, in LA. And it's about a f- 500 cap room. And we had a good 400 people in there. And I was like, okay, this is, this is like how this feels like where this is really starting to build. And, you know, that was right before I left my job. So I was kind of like, that was one of those moments where I was like, oh, this is possible. And I, I think, you know, if I work really hard and like, don't give up on this, like, we'll be okay. And we have been. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that was a really cool moment. Like walking out on that stage was like, you know, I, as much as I do love the like five person shows where the, it's just super intimate and it's just you just connect on a really weird level. Uh, there's a lot of energy that comes from like 400 people, you know, and that's yeah. a really, it's like, wow, this is amazing. This is cool to know that what I'm putting out in the universe is like resonating with this many people. Like that's, it's very um, humbling to me because I like, I don't, I feel like I'm beholden to those people and I like, I need to make sure I do my best for them, you know? It's a very serious, you know, burden to have. You know, I always thought whenever I see somebody tell somebody, an artist, what their music really meant to them mm. and they get it across out of their nervousness, it, yeah. it just chills me, you know, in a best way. Yeah, you know? um, absolutely. And so you're doing all these tours and when you record Haunted Hours, how ready are you just chomping at the bit to get into the studio with all you've learned over these tours and the experience of the first album. Yeah. So that was, uh, it was interesting because like we, we wrote a lot of that record kind of in the studio because it was right after the lockdowns had lifted that I started writing and everybody got really busy again and life like started to come back in. It was really tough to like make this record, uh, in some ways because, you know, I had to kind of like go, hey, here are the songs. And hey, we've scheduled the studio at this time. So we need to kind of have this done by then. Um, so a lot of it was written in the studio and it's and it's like a little raw around the edges. And I, but I like that because the whole record is like very emotionally raw. And it was not like there's a lot of really conceivably um, like catchy, like kind of poppier songs in that record. But they're very like from a very like dark weird place in my life that was kind of purging through that record um so i kind of i really love the fact that that record's like really raw and weird and i love that record. so it's just it's a different it's a totally different experience from our first record and it'll be a totally different one from our third one as well right. but um yeah it was just like it was very enjoyable to be back in the studio because that joy was there but i was also like just i don't know it just felt like i was just getting rid of like this really bad side of my life through that record too. Oh yeah. Well, you mentioned the third record and and how far along are you with that? Um, I'd say we're about like I mean, honestly, like a quarter of the way. 
Um, there's a lot of work that we're, we're about to dig really deep into. Um, but it's coming together really comprehensively. And I feel like it has a, it, it, it's one of those records. that's like, if you try to guide music and you're trying to make music intentionally, like I want it to sound like this, it doesn't work that way. Uh, and it, and it's probably not the best way to try to approach music. I think you should just start writing and make it be what it wants to be. Um, which maybe I'm like stealing from Rick Rubin, like, you know, like, I mean, but it's, I, I, I read his book not long ago and I, I really agree with what he says about like, let, let the art just come through you and be the conduit and get it out there and don't try to force it in a direction. Um, so, uh, yeah, this record is, <laughs> it's very angry. It's very dark, but it's also like my core message with everything I talk about and all, all these records is like, yeah, things are really fucked and things are really dark and they may get a lot worse even, but that's no reason to fucking give up hope. Right. Cause that's like death. Like that's it. You just might as well lay down. Um, so there's a lot of darkness and, and anger and there's a, a spirit of like fighting. I, I mean, it's almost like protest record in a lot of ways. Uh, but there's all the while there's always going to be that kind of undercurrent for me that's like it has to be it can't be totally like pitch black darkness you know there's yeah. got to be some hope and uh, i yeah. think that comes through in what we're doing well in the middle of all this th how's the goth dad come about <laughs> oh man uh you know that was just like one of those weird things that you just never conceive to be something that will pop off uh, I remember, so effectively what I do when I write music is I, I start with guitar riff, metronome, or a drum machine, and then I write what I call scratch tracks, and it's just like I'm trying to develop the vocal melody at this point, so I'll just make up gibberish words, or I will make up like a funny thing, mm -hmm. and one day I was like, wouldn't it be funny if there was like this 50s TV dad, maybe even Midwestern you know, who was like a dad, TV dad, but he was also like heavily goth and like knew his shit and was like, yeah, I've seen The Cure in the fucking 80s. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's the funniest shit I've ever thought. Like, I just was like laughing to myself and I told Dan about it and he's like, oh man, that's pretty cool. Like, and I was like, well, I was thinking about making this like stupid theme song like thing just to like as a joke. And he's like, oh, do it. And I made it and I sent it to him and he just laughed so hard. And I was like, all right, we have to we have to put this on the internet, right? And he's like, "Yeah, hundred percent." And I was like, "This is so so silly." And I like made up like you know with makeup and the cardigan and all that shit. And I was like, "Well, you know, I did the theme song, and that popped off." And people on social media were like, "Well, what does he do?" And I was like, "What do you mean?" They're like, "What's he about?" Like he's a character, right? And I was like, "Oh, okay, I can make videos like as this guy." And I didn't think it was, you know, I just thought it was going to be like, whatever, you know. And you put it up there, and I remember, like, TikTok, it was just like, it was scary. I was like, what the fuck, dude? Like, th hundreds of thousands of people were seeing it, like, every day. And it was millions of you. And I was like, what the fuck? And then, all of a sudden, like, literally overnight, I had potentially this audience. I was like, all right, I'm just going to keep doing this. And I kept making, like, dad jokes. and But I was also my interest with it very quickly was like, all right, you have to teach the kids like what like good goth shit is. 
Not this like dumb like high school like fucking movie version. Like, yeah, you've got to be a music listener of goth. You got to be a fan of the music, but like, go to the fucking nights, go to the shows. Everything else is doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. If you do that stuff, you're goth. You're in. It doesn't like you don't you don't have to look a certain way. This is the shit that matters. Uh, this is like the healthy way healthy way to approach the scene. Uh, and but also here's all the good music yeah, in my opinion. Yeah. And um and I feel like I've been doing a lot of that online and I need to do more of it because um I see these kids you know they're younger people that are entering the scene and I'm excited for them because I want them to enjoy it but they're also like constantly like asking me like well you know so and so on the internet told me that if I don't like this band I'm not goth or whatever and I'm like this is the dumbest conversation you could ever have with that person like that's so like. It just makes me so upset that they have to deal with this. I'm like, just enjoy the music and the subculture. That's all you got to do. And just have fun with it. Yeah. Um, and just like let let yourself, um, I don't know, feel like you belong to a scene, you know. And that's the most important aspect of all this stuff. Well, have you, uh, have you got a lot of good, like if you've connected with a lot of your fan base through that goth dad. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean it's a very regular occurrence that people come up and say, you know, like, Hey, I really appreciate the like more tender goth dad videos that you make because like my dad left when I was six or, you know, my dad doesn't accept me because I'm trans and identify, you know, as a woman, I am a woman now, you know, and things like that, like really tough stuff. Um, and it's, you know, and I always like to remind them, like when I talk to people, I'm like, well, you know, like I appreciate, I'm I'm really glad that 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 brings you value and that's why I like to do this stuff and why you you know you feel like a little bit better um but ultimately I can't supplant like an actual father figure but that doesn't matter like as long as I can bring like 30 seconds of feeling okay and joy into your life like that's that's pretty cool to me <laughs> oh yeah yeah i i i i check it out all the time man <laughs> yeah. it brightens my day <laughs> um and i love that you're still such a fan of music watching you and dan's dj nights those mm. have to be so restorative the awesome awesome goth nights and i love the covers you pick thanks you know and and i think that's education in and of itself oh yeah you know uh, you know, something like Monitor, I'm I'm thinking about, you know. Yeah. Emily really seems to own that one, and it's it's yeah. so fun to see live, and, you know. Um, so what's next for uh, Vision Video? Got a couple more here. For yeah, you. yeah, no worries. Um, so, I mean, this is a really exciting time for us, like, right now, because we did the Fangoria thing, which was amazing, and um, we just shot this video uh, for, um, I guess I can pretty much just talk about it by now, because... Once this is released, it'll be yep. out. But um, so we re-recorded in my side because it's like it's it's one of those songs that you record it, and I love the original. There's nothing wrong with the original, and it's I just think it's so well done, and so well produced and recorded. But when you play a song a thousand times, it changes, and that's what happened with that song. And it got a little a little dancier, but also a little heavier and a little weirder in places. Uh, so we're working with Ben Allen now in uh, Atlanta in May's studios, and he's like this amazing producer. I mean, he won a Grammy. We're working with uh, Gnarls Barkley, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's just, but he has like this incredible range of stuff that he's done. He's done everything from like um, uh, Bad Boys records in the '90s to like 
washed out you know oh wow uh he did within without and like uh he did erasures last record so he's just done like some really bizarre stuff and i thought he would be really good at uh capturing what we're trying to do and he has so anyway uh we recorded with him we have this song coming out on the 17th and we shot a video here in athens georgia which i showed you guys I've earlier seen <laughs> you've seen the video so the video is also getting premiered by fangoria which is awesome because uh, that kind of came after the fact that we decided to do the video, which is really cool. So, like, synchronicities all kind of came around this thing. It was awesome. But um, <laughs> the uh, the video is a sort of love letter to Athens and to specifically the 40 Watt, which is where I, I saw my first show there, B-52s, when I was 16. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah it's... Like, it's an important, it's the beating heart. Like, that and the Georgia Theater are, like, the two valves of this beating heart of Athens music. Oh, yeah. And uh, so we shot this, this video there. Um, it's a horror, it's a love letter to Athens, but it's also a love letter to horror. Uh, Cause the song is kind of a horror song, uh, but we hired uh, five professional makeup artists. I think several of which worked on the walking dead and like Haley Trefiro was the lead team member. She just did exorcist, uh, the new exorcist movie. Um, so like incredible talent and then also character actors from walking dead um and stunt coordinators and prop producers and we just we just got into the weeds and just hired everybody and this is all through the director of elwood walker uh elwood quincy walker um uh and he's just uh he's like this 23 year old guy who's just a prodigy he's just in, he's in a phenomenal director um and we coalesced all these cool people and we shot a a, a video about us getting killed by demons and pissing off a witch. Oh, also, Lulu, uh, my friend from Montreal, one of the top burlesque performers in the world. She's the main character. That's it's so really fun. Cool. <laughs> you know, seeing this thing, let me just say to everybody out there listening, love is too weak a word <laughs> to describe how cool this video is. And oh. it really <laughs> captures the decadence of the 40 watt yeah. on like a good night. Love the way it's shot. And I, I won't spoil anything, but... My gosh, you better be at your computers when this when this drops. Hell yeah, thanks, as man. they say. <laughs> now you also um, you also have a festival coming up. Yeah, so this is like a really it's in its infancy, and I I know that in a few years from now we're gonna look back and be like, hell yeah, I'm so glad we did this. But this is number one, so this is uh, we have a Southern Gothic on October 28th, and that is the same night as the Wild Rumpus, which is like this huge festival in Athens, a free open air parade that you can just jump into. And it's just a big costume parade. And then it ends in an open air dance party in the streets. Uh, but at 1030, everybody goes off to venues. So I thought, what, what better night than to start a goth rock festival in the South, but also Athens is the perfect place. We've got hotels, we've got the venue, we've got, you know, just tons of cool shit to do here. Um, uh, without it being like in Atlanta or you know some other bigger city, um, so this is like a really cool place to facilitate something like this. So our plan is, we've got Twin Tribes headlining uh, this month uh, with us and Tears of the Dying, and then Dan and I are going to DJ afterwards. But next year we've got we've already confirmed like, and I don't think they'll care about me saying this. Like March Violets are are uh, we're going to do two nights. They're going to do Friday night, and then Saturday night I'm going for another like really, really big, 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 big band 
um, from the 80s. I'm trying desperately to get to come do that. But those will be the only two like legacy bands. Every single other band, um, I'm going to try to book directly through uh, me to their them or their booking agents to get the best of the bands that we've seen on tour in the past couple of years and all the places that we've gone to. We're trying to get about, if I have it my way, I want to do at least 14 bands total uh, split across. Um, it'll be the 40 watt and flicker hopefully next year. Right. So like we're trying to really make this, you know, I want to make Athens fucking weird. Man. Hell yeah. I, I, <laughs> my God, if there was a, I'll sign up for your religion <laughs> because people, I, I want to reiterate, man, rumpus, when I moved here, yeah, it just warms your heart. If you have any <laughs> Halloween feelings, yes, it it is really. Uh, you should travel in for it and for the festival. It really is like it's one of those things, man. Where like, you know, again, again, uh, talking about 2018 earlier, like it was a bad year for me. This is when we started writing the record. I remember going to Rumpus, and just. That was one of those things where I was like, ah, oh, this is like, there's still magic in the world. There's yeah. still like a sense of levity and beauty in, in weirdness yeah. and being a little different and being off kilter. Uh, and that was one of those like sparks of hope that I needed just to get by, you know. Uh, so there's like something, I mean, there's my personal experience with that, with the rumpus. But I think that everybody that comes here goes. Ah, that's actually uh, my partner Scarlett moved from Germany to be with me, and I and then the night that I think that she kind of realized that Athens was cool was fucking Rumpus. She Rumpus. Was like, ah, this place kind of. It was awesome. porch porch fest before. <laughs> yep. Did she do porch fest? Uh, yes. Yeah. All right. Sorry, everybody. We're rambling on about <laughs> Athens here, but it's <laughs> but uh, for the four thousandth time, how fucking cool is it to be on the cover of Fangoria? Man? Oh man, so. Uh, Phil uh, called me. Uh, Phil's uh, Phil Nobile Jr. He's the chief editor of um, Fangoria. So Phil called me uh, out of the blue one day, and I didn't. Even, I had no idea who he was, and it, and I never answer my phone ever because I'm like it's always on silent. And I just got this voicemail, and it was like, "Hey, uh, this is Phil. I'm I'm the chief editor of Fangoria magazine. Uh, turns out I'm like a big fan of your band, and I really really am interested in your story, and I want to write." kind of a Rolling Stones type article on what you're doing. So if that sounds interesting, like give me a call. I immediately was like, holy shit. I was like, what? Uh, yeah. Like, dude, absolutely. And this is an honor. And I'm like, I'm blown away, you know, like, and, and he's like, yeah, man. Um, so I'll, I'll give you a call. You're going on tour. I'll give you a call around this time. Um, and, and we'll have a good, good talk when you get back from, from Europe. I was like, cool. Awesome. Cause this is summer and, uh, got home. We talked for three hours about everything. I mean, it was like one of those people, you know, you you meet and then it's like you feel like you've known them your whole life. And I was like, yeah, this is one of those guys. And we talked for three hours and we could have talked for more. And he's like, I this is like I'm getting to the limit of what I can even process. Like, so I think I got it. And um, he sent me a, like a copy of it beforehand. And I read it before it went to print because he's like. I just, you know, I don't want to say anything about you or your experiences that you don't feel comfortable with. And I was like, no, no worries. I read it and I was like, dude, this is like, I was like in tears. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is the best thing that encapsules my experience and how I feel about things and what I'm trying to do. 
um, with this band and, and with our messaging and all that sort of, sort of thing um, than any other magazine. And it's like, of course it's Fangoria. Of course it's like, the it's your people, you know? Oh, yeah. It's like, these are people that understand, like, you know, your, your, your average horror movie fan isn't into horror because, like, they see like the bright and beautiful side of reality. Um, but anyway, it was, it was just awesome. It was just like a really incredible thing. But anyway, he called me or he, or he sent me a text a couple weeks ago and he was like, Hey, just heads up. Like now it's going to print so I can tell you you're on the cover. And I was like, I'm, cause I'm in like a little window on the side of the main cover. And I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I showed Scarlett, my partner, and she just screamed. She was like, what? I screamed. What are you talking about? <laughs> I was losing it. I felt like I was going to pass out for a minute. Because I mean, we were talking earlier, Fangoria before Rue Morgue and all that. Yeah. Fangoria was the one back then. It's the you one, know, man. And it's coming back, and it's, yeah. it's just, I couldn't think of a more of appropriate person to be on the cover. Of, Hell yeah. Uh, well, thanks. Well, yeah. well, you've been so good to talk to us tonight. Just a, a few fun, few little things. Yeah, yeah. You know, off the top of your head, what three horror movies would you recommend that most people haven't heard of since we're in the season now? Okay. That people haven't <laughs> heard of. Impossible. I guess I guess it depends on what level of like horror fan. If it's somebody that's like kind of marginally exposed to to horror uh that I was like trying to ex- explain why I love horror that like this much, um I would say you know, you got to watch uh, 69 Night of Living Dead. Absolutely. Like, you got to watch that. Um, uh, you've got to watch, let me think. <laughs> this is such a tough one. So, Night, Night of Living Dead for sure. Um, I would say, like, Nosferatu. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Go way back. And oh, see yeah. and just get it like no Some dialogue. Of the most creepy images you'll ever see in a movie. And the Herzog yeah. version's good too. Yeah. And then I would say go in a totally opposite direction and go as like and this might be like a controversial choice for a third, but what we're just talking about, Suspiria twenty eighteen, the oh, remake. Not even the original, but the remake. Uh I just feel like it's it's smart, it's heady, it's beautiful, it's entrancing. And it's like it's one of those horror movies that you can just get lost into and really absorb it into. Um, yeah, those would be the three that I'd those, be like. Those here. are those <laughs> are great, you know. And I mean, one thing I think we've talked about before is there's a movie I want everybody to, if if you've never seen Nightmare City, mm. you know, oh, yeah. it's one <laughs> off the beaten path a little bit that we were talking about. Hell yeah. Um, there's this. It's just if. You think you've seen every zombie film? This is this is a good one. Yeah, but you know we're in this special time of the year. Are there any special records that you reach for during this season that are continually inspiring? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, with sympathy by Ministry because it's like <laughs> it's their best record. <laughs> it's their best record. I, it's my I won't say it that way. It's my favorite record of theirs. Um, but it always, you know, there's the, you know, there are literally songs about Halloween, but it's, it has a very like autumnal, like Halloweeny vibe through the like industrial synth pop, but also kind of like hip hop sometimes. Right, right. I just love that record. Uh, and that's like a, that's a record you will always hear on a Halloween party mix that I make. 
Like you will always hear one of those songs. Um, so I'd go with that. And honestly, uh, Return of the Living Dead soundtrack is one of the best soundtracks ever made. So amazing. So anything off that, like my favorite cramp song, Surfing Dead, was written for that <laughs> soundtrack. Yes. Uh, and apparently, I, have you heard the story of that? Yeah. The, they had like a weekend to write it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, they were like, fuck it, yeah. See, I was like 12 when that movie came out, mm. and that was the first movie I saw in the theater that I wanted to watch twice in a row. Yeah. I just met, we met Linnea quickly, Oh yeah. You know, um, and... Oh my God! I usually don't get starstruck, but Same. it's like, you know. I met her at Pensacon. We played down in Pensacola at Pensacon this year, and I met her in February. And like, I have her tattooed on my leg, and oh, I was yeah. like, I was like, hey, it's really nice to meet you. We're like guests also. Like we're playing this weekend, and we got a table down the way, and I just wanted to say hi. And she's like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. I was like, this is kind of weird, but I do have you tattooed to my leg, so I think <laughs> I feel like obligated to show you. She's like, yeah. She was like super excited, so I show her the tattoo of trash that's like on my leg here, and uh, oh, that's amazing! <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, that's super cool!" And I was like, "Yeah, this is fun." Um, so basically, uh, yeah, she's a, she's like a total sweetheart. Oh yeah, she's just like the nicest, most unassuming person I've ever met. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, Dusty, thank you so much. We had some delays here due to jazz night, and we got oh good. So it's a good cause. For, yeah, <laughs> thank you for sticking uh, with us, and good luck on the um, finishing up the third record, thank the you. tour, and the festival. Now, what's the best place for our listeners to get in, to find out info on Vision Video or get in touch with you guys? Sure, yeah. So the hub for it all, I guess, is just like visionvideoband.com, which by and large has, I guess, every link to like social media and Spotify uh but it also like has direct links to our merch which helps us a lot um but anything musically oriented i'd say like instagram is the most reliable source of like directed music stuff right. um so yeah just visionvideoband.com you can find all that there and it's all like any any patron patronage of such is very appreciated there you heard it there go buy <laughs> some merch well, my friend, thank you so much for doing yeah, thanks, this. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. This is this is a, a treat for me. Right on, man. Oh, man, I want to thank Dusty Gannon for coming on the show and filling us in on all things Vision Video. Make sure you follow them on their show, socials and get out to a show. They are a live band, if there ever was one, and a super cool group of people. So uh, their, their success is well-deserved. And... Um, yeah, that's our show for tonight. I hope everybody has a decadent and safe Halloween. We'll be having some more um, episodes coming along for you very, very soon. But until then, stay switched on, and we'll talk to you soon.